What's up, Football MD fam? Thank you for joining us. Welcome to episode 61 of the Football MD podcast. I am your host, Daniel Ronan. Thank you for joining us today. And today on the agenda, we will be covering week four of the NFL. Going to go through each and every game starting at Thursday night, ending with the Monday night game. Give you a quick recap of each and every game. So just in case you missed it, you won't feel like you were out of the loop. As per usual, I hope you are all following our Football MD Pod social media pages, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, always remember to go check out our footballmdpodcast.com uh, for our website, where right now you can see your Sully Says page for your weekly gambling needs, or you could check out Mike Bowe's up-to-date offensive line rankings, as well as his Rising Stars and All Bow Team articles. They're really great if you're interested in the offensive line and how they're performing and how they're going to perform for the rest of the year. So whose team is really going to lead the way? Because we all know offensive line correlates to NFL success. Well, Mike Bow breaks it down for you, so make sure you go check out that article ASAP on the website. But with no more delay, let's get right into it. Thursday night, Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. And the Eagles lock up the win, 34-27, to coming into the game with just one win, sitting at 1-2, up against Green Bay, who was 3-0 coming into the game. So it was definitely an impressive outing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Great game. It was really important for them to step it up and uh, clinch the win, go to 2-2, two two, keep themselves alive in a division where – the um, Dallas Cowboys had seemed to be dominating, but, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, no, I mean, no team is mathematically eliminated just yet, but if you're 1-3 and three or 0-4, oh you really not um, have high hopes for the playoffs. So the Philadelphia Eagles keeping their season alive with a strong, strong win over the Green Bay Packers. And what, else, what more can you say? I mean, they've had injuries this year, but... That duo in the backfield, Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, has been excellent. And, you know, with Carson Wentz at the home, yes, they're going to have some injuries at the wide receiver position. Yes, they're going to have to get healthy. Uh, but, you know, definitely, definitely for sure playoff contenders without a doubt. The one thing that you would just like to really see improve for the Philadelphia Eagles is the defensive side of the ball, um, allowing, you know, just about – 25 26 points per game right now uh the lowest they allowed all season was to the atlanta falcons with uh just 24 points um and then 27 every other game so they're letting out a ton of points and an alarming rate with a uh, front seven as uh, prestigious as theirs you would really expect them to have a little bit of a better defense as for the green bay packers on their side of the ball this is an excellent team. Uh, I wouldn't even say they got caught sleeping or anything like that. The Philadelphia Eagles are just an also talented team. Tough NFC matchup. And yes, you would have liked to seal the victory at home, but it is the first loss on the season. So I really won't be too concerned. Uh, Devonta Adams is a stud. Aaron Jones is really, you know, becoming the guy there. And although they keep trying to make Jamal Williams happen, Aaron Jones really is a uh, the most talented back, and it's nice for them to have a steady guy for them to lean on. And quite frankly, the impressive thing for the Green Bay Packers is that defensive side of the ball. 
Yes, they let up 34 points to the Philadelphia Eagles, but for the most part, besides that game, they haven't let anything over 17 points. So they've been dynamite this year, and I believe they'll keep it rolling. They do have a tough, tough matchup coming up against the Dallas Cowboys next week in Dallas at the 430 slot. That'll definitely be the uh, game of the week, so it'll probably be on national television. We'll all get to watch that game. Uh, two, three, and one teams, two top-ranked NFC teams, two playoff contenders. Uh, so everything you want next week, stay tuned for that and the recap on that as well. But, yeah, the Packers, no worries here. Just like I said, a tough, tough opponent in the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, the, Phil uh, the Green Bay Packers fall a little short. The Philadelphia Eagles seal the win. No surprises here. Both teams, no worries about them. But the Philadelphia Eagles, they just kind of needed it more, sitting at 1-3 and three, as opposed to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm sorry, 1-2, and two, as opposed to the Green Bay Packers coming in at 3-0. and oh. Moving right along. The first 1 o'clock game we'll cover from Sunday is the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants. And it really was nice to see the New York Giants get it done in a different fashion. Last week, you had Danny Dimes make his debut. And at home, the New York Giants, the defense is the one that stepped up. Yes, Daniel Jones was uh, pretty good, and he came back to earth, finally looking quite human, actually, throwing two interceptions. And I believe even fumbling it. Actually, I'm sorry, Wayne Gallman fumbled the ball. But still, the offense lost three turnovers in total, uh, two interceptions, one fumble. And yet, they still look dynamite. 22, Wayne Gallman, he uh, definitely stepped in nicely for Saquon Barkley. And like I said, Daniel Jones, although he you know looks human now, he did throw the two interceptions, he's going to be just fine. He looks impressive, and he'll continue to grow. You know, he is still a young quarterback, as promising as he looks. But, I mean, the real story of the day was the defense because the New York Giants, although they got the win against the Bucs, they let up a lot of points at an alarming rate. And their ability to uh, really step up at home this week, especially, I got to highlight Janoris Jenkins, his play was absolutely night and day. Last week against um, Mike Evans, Mike Evans stole his lunch. He was absolutely getting anything he wanted against Janoris Jenkins. And then, of course, today, uh, this past Sunday, Janoris Jenkins steps it up and completely flips the switch. Now, don't get me wrong, wrong. the Washington Redskins don't have a wide receiver as talented as Mike Evans. Their team, you know, is struggling right now. But even still, the Giants, who didn't have high expectations coming into the season, they'll take wins when they can get them. And this was an impressive showing. It was good on the offensive side and it was good on the defensive side. They played complimentary football and a lot to be excited about. Not to mention they get Golden Tate back this week. So Golden Tate probably going to be the number one receiver for their offense right off the bat. Even if he plays for the slot, he'll be the most talented. Yes, Sterling Shepard is there, but, I mean, Golden Tate is a veteran. He's a stud, and Daniel Jones will obviously welcome the return of such a established wide receiver. Now, on the other side of the ball for the Washington Redskins, you know, they're definitely struggling this year, and they have a lot of things going on. But quite frankly, I do believe they need a new head coach. And on the bright side, they did finally make the transition to, to Dwayne Haskins in this game. Unfortunately, I feel like they should have just, you know, they should have been let him play uh, or at least picked maybe a little bit of a better spot to start him, you know, because, I mean, he didn't get the start, but... That's the other thing. Like, why throw him in in the middle of the game when you're already behind? Like, he's going to come back. 
I get it. The Giants were a soft opponent for him to come into. Um, the Giants did the same thing with Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, I mean. But Dwayne Haskins, man, he, if you're going to draft him 15th overall, he, he should be getting looks right now, especially 0-4 team. You know, they're really struggling. Go out there, and unfortunately, Dwayne Haskins, he did finally get the play, and he didn't even have probably the guy he'll have the biggest camaraderie with because uh, Terry McLaurin, who also went to Ohio State, was out this week. But I would like to see them play together. Dwayne Haskins did some things that I liked. He was more mobile than we've seen in college, which was very refreshing because, quite frankly, I was always viewing him as a stuck-in-the-mud quarterback, and I, actually that was my biggest knock against him. Yes, he can throw the ball very well, but in the NFL, these guys are begin are going to be getting after you, and you're going to have to move a little bit. You're going to have to, you know, extend plays, get out of the pocket, and he showed the ability to do that with more comfort than I had originally expected from watching him in college. So that was definitely a bright side, but unfortunately for the Washington Redskins, they do have a long way to go. Now, quite frankly, it starts at the top. It starts with the uh, Gruden. And he's got to go. Um, quite frankly, you we're going to mention a couple times today a few teams that should probably be looking to make head coaching changes. And uh, the Washington Redskins, definitely not an exception there. But moving on, we will cover a huge, huge matchup this weekend. A big shocker. Cleveland Browns traveling to Baltimore, playing in Baltimore, and beating the Ravens 40-25. to Now, the reason why this is so surprising isn't because, you know, it took you really as a complete shock, you know, because the Cleveland Browns were supposed to be this good. The only thing is it seemed like the Ravens were the better team coming into this game, although they had lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been scoring at an impressive rate, and they just looked like the overall better team. Cleveland stepped in and said not today, going in to Baltimore's house and really making a huge statement by putting up 40 points. And Nick Chubb was the highlight of the day. Don't get me wrong. The Browns were good as a whole, but Nick Chubb, man, he was incredible. Uh, I've been saying for a very long time that Nick Chubb was going to be a stud in the NFL, and I just love to see him thrive because he is a great back. He battled back from that injury in college, and he deserves every bit of the respect he's getting now. He had that 80-yard run. But let's just say a lot of this success, again, correlates to the offensive line. little shout-out to Mike Bowe. Make sure you go check out where the Cleveland Browns offensive line ranks because although they might not be too high, they definitely will be moving up if they continue to play the way they did this past Sunday. Um, and on the other side of the ball, the Baltimore Ravens definitely have a small concern with the Baltimore Ravens and – the fact that it looks like they're being slightly exposed against good teams. They had, you know, a hot start out of the gate, um, 59 points in week one, but that was against the Miami Dolphins. You know, when we haven't seen the Miami Dolphins really show up for any game, let alone one against the uh, Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. And then the Baltimore Ravens dominated the Arizona Cardinals, which again, with the young signal, signal caller at the helm in Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals just in general not a uh, dominant or very impressive team this season. So then finally the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they take on Kansas City Chiefs and Cleveland Browns, two top-level AFC competitors that if you want to be a playoff team in the AFC, you're going to have to compete with these teams. And they really did.
didn't step it up. They didn't meet the um, the challenge, so to speak. And uh, that's kind of surprising to me because I do really like their team. But we did talk about in the offseason a little bit how they did let a lot of guys on that defensive side of football walk. And quite frankly, I think you're seeing that. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens of old, you really wouldn't see them give up 40 and 33 points, like over 30 points in two consecutive weeks. That's like unheard of in uh, Baltimore Raven territory. So, I mean, they're definitely experiencing some blowback from letting all that talent walk out the door. Uh, you can't think that there wouldn't be any repercussion of that. And Baltimore, you know, yes, they've been good. They've been bad. So there's still a question mark up in the air. It's still early. Obviously, they're still sitting at uh, two and two, which is still fine. They're absolutely, you know, in good shape, but definitely not as impressive in the past two games as they were in the first two games for sure. And what raises the question marks is the, uh, the differential in talent of those games. And we'll keep it moving right along, right to the Oakland Raiders taking on the Indianapolis Colts and the Raiders walking away with the win, 31-24. to And it's a big game for the Oakland Raiders. That's an impressive game. Indianapolis has been playing pretty well. I get it. They're without Andrew Luck, but Jacoby Brissett has been filling in nicely. He even played pretty well in this game, but just not enough. The Raiders got out to an early start. And quite frankly, I think this is the way to beat the Colts. Get out to an early start. Just keep it rolling. Stay smooth. Play good football. You don't have to force anything. But once you get the lead, it kind of takes Marlon Mack out of the game. Only 11 carries for 39 yards. He was kind of game scripted out. And I feel like that's what you're looking to do. Jacoby Brissett, 24 completions, 265 yards, 3 touchdowns, only 1 interception. That's great. But he threw the ball 46 times. That's a near 50% completion percentage, just a little bit higher. So they did a really good job of controlling the pace of the game. And this is how you play good football in games. Oakland Raiders sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Indian Lepis Colts sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, So they're both still alive. They both got, you know, a ton of football left to play. Of course, we all do. But, you know, the Oakland Raiders, I, I like what they did in this game. It worked out that they got out to a hot start, but it's real easy to get out to a hot start when you're a team like the Oakland Raiders who are not expected to be very good and really just, you know, muff it and give up a lead and then lose. So for them to get that lead, keep scoring, put up 31, it was a good day. And like I said, and that in turn was the best way to defeat the Colts in general because it kind of kept Marlon Mack out. And I think the Colts are at their best when Marlon Mack's getting going and then Jacoby Brissett plays complimentary to the run game. I really don't think Jacoby Brissett is the guy to beat you kind of on all on his own, you know. But, uh, yeah, impressed with both teams. And as for fantasy, still waiting for T.Y. Hilton to return. Um, not too sure if it's going to be this week. So we might have to wait one more week. Um, and besides that, Marlon Mack's been a stud and Jacoby Brissett is a, is a good streaming option based on matchup and on the other side of the ball Josh Jacobs really hasn't been as good as we had hoped uh 17 carries for 79 in this one 4.6 average but Trevor Davis was the stud with two carries 74 yards in the touchdown he had like a 60 yard touchdown run but regardless Josh Joshua Jacobs not as productive as we had hoped um 
especially being limited because he's not getting involved in the in the passing game too much. Just two receptions, and he took him for 30 yards. So he's producing with the ball in his hand. It's just he's not getting the amount of work that we had hoped. You know, they said he was going to be the workhorse back, and yet they still insist on getting Jalen Rashard involved uh, and all these different pass catchers. I get it. You want to keep keep the defense guessing, but Joshua Jacobs just not where we expected. I mean, this was a good game for him. Don't get me wrong. He had a he had over 100 yards. This was one of his better games, but that's the problem. This has been one of his better games since week one, the two-score game. So uh, Josh Jacobs, definitely not what you expected. But Tyrell Williams, a pleasant surprise. He's been very good. And maybe not so much from a fantasy perspective, but just on the field, like, he's been great. I love the ball he's playing. And if the stats aren't really there for him from a fantasy perspective, don't worry. They will follow, in my opinion. It, it might take some time. Derek Carr is not the best quarterback. But uh, Terrell Williams is playing that good. So definitely uh, an upside for the Oakland Raiders. Moving on, and this is going to be a quick one, the Los Angeles Chargers up against the Miami Dolphins. And really, there's just one side of the ball to cover here because we know what we're getting with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I will say they scored first in this one, and it looked like they might you know, come out to a fast start, and then that came to a screeching halt. That was the only touchdown they had, all touchdown they have this year. They're really not playing well, and who expects them to? They're just not that good of a team. I will say Josh Rosen has been making a couple promising throws, but he's still not playing consistently. He's still not looking like a franchise guy. But there are glimpses, little sparkles of what you were looking for when he was drafted. Whether he can put it all together is yet to be seen, but definitely you can see the talent. You can see the ability to throw the football. It's just not correlating to the NFL for him, unfortunately. That being said, Los Angeles Chargers, they uh, avoid going 1-3 with an easy matchup up against the Miami Dolphins, winning 30-10 in Miami. Um, and quite frankly, we, again, honestly, this is another team you know what you're getting. Phillip Rivers, 24 of 30, 310 yards and two touchdowns. That's, uh, that's all you got to say about that. He had a great day, very efficient. You know, when you have Austin Eckler going five receptions for 62 and a touchdown and also 18 carries for 60 yards on the ground and a touchdown, like, you don't need anything else. Keenan Allen's a stud. He keeps he keeps being a stud. Uh, not one of his best games, five receptions for 48 yards, but that's because it really was the Austin Eckler show, and uh, quite frankly, good, because, you know, he's definitely going to have a less of a role going forward with Melvin Gordon coming back. Just to weigh in on that, you know, that committee, because guess what? That's what we believe. We believe it's going to be quite a committee. Uh, Eckler's been too good to just throw him aside. We're going to see Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. Probably, more often than not, Melvin Gordon early and in obvious run situations. And Austin Eckler will be more of a third down back, change of pace back, catch the ball out of the backfield. Probably more involved in a two-minute offense in a tight game, stuff like that. So, you know, they'll have defined roles. And it will cap the production for both of them. But I will say... I do believe the Los Angeles Chargers are scoring at a high enough rate where it'll be okay. They have two games where they scored 30 already this season, um, one game of 10, and that was their lowest game this season. So the Chargers, can, you know, they can score the football. There's no, there's no doubt about it, and that should mean plenty of opportunity to go around for both Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Maybe not, you know, 20 points every week to both of them, but 
you know, definitely can rely on them to uh, have a healthy balance and still be productive for your fantasy teams. We won't spend too much time on that matchup, so I'll move it right along to the New England Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. And this was one of those situations where I don't think the score really depict what went on on the field. I get it. There was a ton of arguments that, like, if Josh Allen didn't leave the game, that the Buffalo Bills would have had a chance. And, yeah, I guess. I mean, of course you always have a better chance with your starter at the starting position for your quarterback. Like, I like obviously. But Josh Allen did come out. Matt Barkley had to step in. And, yes, it was a low-scoring fair. Yes, New England only won 16-10. to 10. But, in my opinion, if you watch the game, if you watch the play on the field, New England really did control the game. I mean, there really wasn't any point in time where New England was, like, not in control. They seemed to control both sides of the ball very well. They were dominant on defense, good on offense. And, you know, yes, it was a low-scoring affair. But you're going to get those type of games when you have a guy like Bill Belichick running your team because he's not so concerned with all this, you know, like, oh, we have to dominate. We have to – no. Bill is here to win games. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care really about the margin of victory. I really don't think he cares about much of anything. I think the only thing he cares about is getting the W. And sometimes, according to the game plan, that's what you got to do, especially in this game. New England only put up 13 points in the first quarter and then three games for the remainder of the game. So, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, just like I said, like, yes, it was a close game, but 13 in the first quarter, they were immediately out to the lead. And they controlled it for the rest of the day, giving up only one touchdown in the third quarter and one other field goal. Like, that's a solid game for the New England Patriots defense, without a doubt. And, you know, the fantasy stats weren't really too pleasant this week because of uh, the lack of scoring. Not really fantasy friendly. But still, you know, you know what you're getting from your New England Patriots. And the one thing that I will talk about with the Buffalo Bills is Josh Allen gets back into the lineup. I like this offense. I like when Devin Singletary gets back. That's going to be a good – I think it's going to be a less is more benefit to both of them. Frank Gore is a little old. I get it. He had 17 carries for 109. You'd love to see that. But I do think you'll get more out of him with less touches and then Devin Singletary being a kind of like a change of pace back. I really think that's where he'll thrive as long as Frank Gore is there because as long as Frank Gore is there, in my opinion, he's the guy. He's a Hall of Famer. I respect Frank Gore. I would never say, like, if you watch the first couple weeks, yes, they like Devin Singletary. Yes, he was explosive. Frank Gore was, again, the, really the guy, the, the type of carries where that's the guy you're relying on. He's getting the short short yardage situation carries, the goal line carries, third down carries. Like, yes, Devin Singletary's coming in on third down if it looks like they're passing. But if it's like a third and three and they're comfortable with running the ball, it was like Frank Gore. Like, Frank Gore is going to get it. We trust him. He's a veteran. And he... 15,000 yards. What else to say? Congratulations to Frank Gore. What is he, top five all time? So an amazing, amazing Hall of Famer. And with that mix, I like this offense. I wouldn't – I'm not trusting any one wide receiver. Today, um, today, this past Sunday, <laughs> was Cole Beasley. And Cole Beasley caught seven receptions for 75 yards. But the one guy, if anybody, that I would trust more often than not is John Brown. He only had five, five receptions for 69 yards. but like I said, like I've been saying, he's the guy who can stretch the field, make big plays, and I do think he's probably the most talented of the group. But Cole Beasley, always reliable. He was That's exactly what his role is he's always been. So, you know, 
nothing too surprising here. New England beating the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. But a little upsetting because you kind of thought this year that, you know, the 3-0 Buffalo Bills taking on the 3-0 New England Patriots, that you might have been able to kind of steal a win. Um, but n not quite. And uh, I don't think they'll have any better luck when they go into New England. So, unfortunately for the Bills, they're going to have to lose those two games in the division, probably beat the Jets twice and the uh, Dolphins twice, and then probably be, you know, a wild card team this year and make the playoffs anyway. So as long as Buffalo continues to play good football, they'll be just fine. Flipping it over to an NFC matchup, the Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans in Houston and getting the win on the road 16-10. to The Carolina Panthers have been really impressive under Kyle Allen. And I, I'm just 24 of 34 for 232 yards. Like I said, it's not blowing you away, but for this kid who late round pick or undrafted free agent, I think he's an undrafted free agent. He's just been so good. And of course, you know what you get with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the bummer for this season is really DJ Moore with his offense. And of course, Cam Newton, but uh, Cam Newton should be fine in the long run. Maybe not this year, unfortunately, but in the long run, I'm hoping that he can get back to MVP form where he was just a few years ago. Um, but Kyle Allen, as long as Cam Newton is not healthy, is a perfectly fine option. And as long as Cam Newton is not healthy, Kyle Allen is the better option. I'll take a healthy Kyle Allen over an injured Cam Newton any day of the week. Um, but, you know, Christian McCaffrey show. 37 total touches for, oh, I don't know, 170-some yards and a touchdown. Like, this guy just he just keeps crushing it. You know, you give him the football, he's going to dominate. And that really makes it easy for Kyle Allen, for sure. But at the same time, he's just playing good football. And, you know, as for the Texans on their side of the ball, Deshaun Watson, just not really good enough. Not not really efficient enough. Not putting the ball in the end zone. I don't know what DeAndre Hopkins throwing an interception is all about. Uh, I'm pretty sure he ended the week with, like, one catch. Like, like he really had five receptions for 41. Like, it, minus the two points for an interception or whatever like he had a terrible fantasy week and it's just this offense has not really looked great for houston um it's really their offensive line play unfortunately it really is you know they only have they do have two games where they scored 28 27 points week one against the saints and then last week against the los angeles chargers but they lost one of those games to the saints they they scored 28 and they ended up losing anyway and then 13 points in week two and 10 points in week, last week against the Panthers. Like, their offense is very inconsistent, very unstable, and it's a little bit of a surprise. More than likely, in my opinion, it's because of the lack of the run game. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, they're both okay, um, and they got decent produ production out of them this week, but they haven't really been great. And when you don't have that run game to kind of balance out what the electric passing game they should have plus a terrible offensive line. Like they, they're just going to have up and down weeks, unfortunately. And that's going to, that's going to make it difficult for them, but they luck out. They go to Atlanta next week, or I'm sorry, Atlanta comes to them next week and Atlanta can't beat anybody right now. That's tough for me to say as a diehard Falcons fan, but it's true. Um, so a chance to, uh, go back to above 500 for the Houston Texans while the Carolina Panthers 
come home to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is their lone home game in seven weeks. Um, they have one bye in that span as well, but four games on the road, one home, one bye. This, you're talking this is a rough stretch for them right now, but they do get to come home, play the Jacksonville Jaguars at home, and I think that's a win. Minshew's been great, but I feel like as of late under Kyle Allen, the Carolina Panthers are just playing good football and finding ways to win games. It's not always pretty, but that's what they're doing. And I really do think that at home, one o'clock game, just your normal average, nothing crazy. I think they'll, uh, I think they'll be the ones to um, take that one. And moving right along to probably the best game of the week, the Kansas City Chiefs travel to Detroit to take on the Lions and edge them out 34 to 30 in very dramatic fashion. This is, like I said, probably the best game of the week. Now, I won't hang get too hung up on the Kansas City Chiefs. 4-0, we know what we got with them. You know, Patrick Mahomes, the run game seems like it doesn't matter who you plug in. LaShawn McCoy looks great. Um, and the receiving game, it, pick your poison. They have so much speed. And throw in Travis Kelsey and it, any given week. It could just be anyway. It could just be anyone. And quite frankly, Tariq Hill coming back to practice this week, psh, everyone should be scared. Everybody should be scared. This team is picking right up where they left off. The only problem with the Kansas City Chiefs is their inability to play defense. And really, I do think when it comes to the playoffs, that might be what kills them. They were able to hold the Oakland Raiders to 10 points. That's great. Um, but besides that, they've let up over 25 points to every single team they've played. And, you know, I just – I get it. The, they can outscore everybody. But at some point, you're going to come across the, you know, New England Patriots, and you're going to have to play some defense. My concern is that the Kansas City Chiefs not able to do that. But I said I didn't want to get too hung up on the Kansas City Chiefs. We know what we have in them. What I would like to take a little bit of a longer time to talk about is the Detroit Lions. And that's because the Detroit Lions have been amazing since week one. They definitely came out in a slow start, played Arizona, in Arizona. You know, home opener, season opener for Arizona. They were probably very motivated. They gave the Detroit Lions their best look, tying them 27-27. And the Detroit Lions lose in week four to the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're sitting at two wins, one loss, and one tie. Not overly impressive, but guess what? If you've seen their play on the field, they're playing very well. They're playing awesome football. Everything's coming together for them. I like this team. They have plenty of talent on both the offense and defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, what more can you ask? on Johnson, 26 carries for 125 yards. He's looked great. Matthew Stafford, 21 of 34, very efficient, 291 yards, three touchdowns. He's looked great. Kenny Galladay, everything we expected, five receptions, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. He's looked great. TJ Hawkinson, unfortunately, he did get injured. Um, they say it's not too, too bad. He could be back, you know, within a week or two. Maybe he takes one or two weeks off. Um, but he could be back soon as well. And three receptions for him, 27 yards, and a touchdown. So we know what we're getting with the Detroit Lions now. They're, we're getting an offensive firepower type team. They're, you know, scoring, scoring, scoring. 
They only scored under 20 points in one game. That was in week two against the Los Angeles Chargers. They only scored 13 points. That was a win. That, they did what they had to do to win the game. But besides that, they scored over 25 points in every single game, 27, 27, and 30 against the Cardinals, the Eagles, and the Chiefs, respectively. Like, they have been scoring. They've been playing, eh, decent defense, not really too much, but, you know, just complimentary enough where yeah, I get it. I just harped on the Kansas City Chiefs for not being great on defense, but Kansas City Chiefs have had a year to do this. The Detroit Lions, they were pretty bad last year, pretty much on everywhere. And they're starting to put put it together, and the Detroit Lions are finding ways to win games, scoring heavy on offense, and it, it it does you can't grade every team on the same scale. It's impressive for the Detroit Lions to be where they're at, doing what they're doing. I thought they were going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I really did. I believed that the Lions were going to win that game. That being said, the Chiefs they're graded on a, on a on a more stricter scale. They've been in the finals, and before Patrick Mahomes got there. They've been perennial playoff teams, constantly in competition for the AFC Championship game. And it's about time they start bringing the whole package because they got to realize that's what's been limiting them. That's what's been keeping them out of the big game. And, yeah, I get it. Maybe Patrick Mahomes gets you to one or two. But I really do believe if you just give him a little bit more help on defense, you'll dominate. You'll dominate right into the Super Bowl. I get it. You're going to dominate during the season. But – it's not the same thing. It's great to have all these great season accolades, this and that. End of the day, the goal is the Super Bowl. S New England Patriots about it. And quite frankly, like I said, if the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't play defense, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. As for the Detroit Lions, the same thing, but I don't think that's really what the Detroit Lions are hoping for this year. I think they're very pleased with a playoff appearance this year. And honestly, quite frankly, if they make the playoff, then sky's the limit for them. Anybody who makes the playoffs in the running, they have a chance. But their real aspirations, their real goals, playoff team, definitely should be a satisfying season for the Detroit Lions. And then we'll move right along to the Tennessee Titans demolishing my Atlanta Falcons. And we're not going to talk too much about my Atlanta Falcons. They lost 24-10. to And I'm not going to talk too much about either of these teams because I'm not impressed with either of them. Tennessee, just because they got the win, um, I'm really, I really do believe, and I'm sorry to say this to about Tennessee, like uh, Tennessee fans, if you're listening, I apologize, but I don't think this was about how good Tennessee is. I think this was about how bad Atlanta really is. And Dan Quinn's probably going to get fired and it's time to really, you know, I, don't clean house. They have a talented roster, but the upper echelon, the coaching staff's got to go. First of all, Dirk Cutter does not get a second year. Can't stand Dirk Cutter. I didn't like him when he was with Atlanta the first time. Now he's back, and I can't stand him again. Dan Quinn. I love Dan Quinn. Problem is, Dan Quinn should have never took on head coaching duties and defense coordinator duties. Same time, you were also you were already a questionable head coach to begin with. You made questionable head coaching decisions, questionable, you know, just call calls whether it's going for a fourth down, to, uh, time management, like just a questionable head coach to begin with. And as much as I love your motivation and the way you do with the players, that's great. But as for managing games, not that great. And then you take on defense coordinated duties, split your focus. I don't know, man. Not really the best call in my opinion. And that's the only reason why I'll say you got to go because you can't do that in the NFL. We're supposed to be winning games with this talented roster, the Atlanta Falcons, and they're just not. And quite frankly, unfortunately for the Tennessee Titans, like I said, I do believe it had less to do with how good the Tennessee Titans are 
and more to do with how bad the Falcons are. The Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota had a great day. 18 of 27, 227 yards, three touchdowns. Probably his best game all season. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Derrick Henry, 27 carries for 100 yards, 3.7 average. That was like, see, this team got flipped upside down because this team, the Tennessee Titans, are built to run the football with Derrick Henry, dominate in the run game. Marcus Marietta just manages the game, throws a couple of efficient touchdown passes, not throwing interceptions, protecting the ball. They win. And that's not even how they beat the Atlanta Falcons. They dominated. They threw the ball all over the place. A.J. Brown had three receptions for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Please tell me why that's acceptable. Corey Davis, five receptions, 91 yards and a touchdown. Marcus Mariota threw the ball all over the field with his eyes closed. Atlanta, they got some real problems that they need to address, and I, I got to move on. I can't even stay focused on them. But moving on to another huge shock this week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Los Angeles Rams 55-40. to 40. Let me just say, I don't think this is really going to be where the Tampa Bay Bucks organization is headed. But I do think it's an indication of the, the talent they possess on the field cultivated with a good head coach in Bruce Arians. I just think, you know, especially Bruce Arians, he's, he's an all-time great in my opinion. He's awesome. He's a great coach. He knows the game. The only problem is I don't think this is going to be consistently what you're going to see out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not his fault. I don't think James Winston is able to be consistent. I mean, he threw 41 passes in this game. He didn't even complete 30. So he had, he wasn't great. He threw an interception. Like, blind squirrel, a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes too, right? That's what they say. And James Winston, this was his nut, the blind squirrel. Because he's really just so inconsistent. They got production out of the run game. Nine carries uh, for 19 yards and one touchdown out of Payne Barber. Nothing crazy. But, you know, did fall in for that touchdown. Ronald Jones, almost 20 carries for 70 yards and touchdown. That's a good day. I predicted this in the offseason that the Bucks will go in that direction to Ronald Jones. Um, the real pleasant surprise for this team, Mike Evans still great. You know, four reception, 89 yards and a touchdown. But the real pleasant surprise, Chris Godwin this year. Stud, 12 receptions, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Stud, stud, stud. He's been great all season. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, I do think it was kind of a mix of, like, a down game for the Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm sorry, down game for the Los Angeles Rams, if you could say that. They scored more than they have all season. I get it. They scored 40 points. But they didn't play defense at all. They left 55 points. Now, there was a storyline here that the Tampa Bay Bucks owner lost his father on Saturday, told the Tampa Bay Bucks that they really wanted to win and that they really wanted the guys to go out there and have fun. So there was extra motivation there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one. But even still, the Los Angeles Rams, they're a better team. They're a better program than this. I'm just really shocked that this is how they come out. You know, I mean, Jared Goff was through 68 passes for 517 yards and two touchdowns. Bruh, 68 passes. But he threw three interceptions. Todd Gurley only had five carries. Malcolm Brown only had five, 10 carries in the run game. They fell so, so far behind, and the Tampa Bay Bucks were scoring at such an alarming rate that the Rams had to just keep throwing it, keep slinging it, keep throwing the football. 
and they weren't able to really get a good game. Like Robert Woods, 13 receptions, 164 yards, great. Nine nine receptions and 121 yards and a touchdown for Cooper Cup. But this is not a good game for the Rams. They got to be a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball. I get it. It's an offensive-driven team, just like the Chiefs. But when it comes down to it, this is a type of game where you got to win. The Tampa Bay Bucks are not that great. Um, they're definitely playing a little bit better. I mean, I mean, look, they beat the Carolina Panthers, but they also lost to the Giants and San Fran in Week One. They've been up and down. That's what they normally are. They're not a great team. The Rams, playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders in the Super Bowl last year, representing the NFC. They got to be better than that. They can't let up 55 points. What kind of NFL team lets up 55 points? That's a Miami Dolphins stuff. They let up 59 points. You're going to be on the same page as the Miami Dolphins? The Los Angeles Rams? Like I said, in the Super Bowl last year? Come on. You can't have it. You can't have it. But we'll keep it rolling. We know just talking about the Rams, we'll keep it rolling in the NFC West. In a divisional matchup for the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And this game has been this game is depressing for me. It just I can't even. But Seattle gets the win 27 to 10. Not really much of a surprise, right? Like you expect the Seattle Seahawks to win this game. My really the reason why I'm really significantly disappointed in this one is because of the Arizona Cardinals really not being able to put it together yet. Like I really did expect a little bit more out of them this year. They have a talented offense. They have now like Kyler Murray at the helm, but like he's just not he's not doing it the way I thought he would. I mean, David Johnson, eight receptions, 99 yards, and then 11 carries for 40 on the ground, like absolute stud. Why can't we? Why can't they be better? You get what I'm saying? Like I don't understand. I, I get it. They're not great on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm just really shocked. I, in week one, I was impressed. I really thought they looked good. And I was buying in because I like the talent. I like the roster that they assembled. But they're just not winning games. And I, quite frankly, I don't know if I see them winning games. Like, I thought at some point, like, they were better. And they're really not. That being said, they do have the Cincinnati Bengals coming up. They do have the Atlanta Falcons coming up. Those are two winnable games. New York Giants, that's a three-game stretch winnable games. Where, imagine, as Arizona could steal, grab all three of those games. Sitting at 3-3-1. It's a whole different conversation. So Arizona Cardinals got to go out there and perform now. I just don't actually believe in their ability to do so. As for the Seattle Seahawks, we know what we got with them. This team is studs on studs on studs. And as long as Pete Carroll is there, they're going to be just fine. Their lone loss to the New Orleans Saints, nothing to be embarrassed about. Saints are a dominant team. and both of these teams are going to compete, no doubt, for the conference this year. Russell Wilson, 22 completions on 28 throws. Super efficient, 240 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson, 22 carries for 104 yards. And, you know, just this is what you expect from the Seattle Seahawks. Like, they're going to play good football. They got a touchdown on the defense side of the ball. Jadavion Clowney, interception, return for a touchdown. Playing complimentary football, efficiency from Russell Wilson, heavy on the ground game, 22 carries for 104 yards. Like This is the Seattle Seahawks. They're sitting at 3-1, and one, and we know what we're going to get. They're still going to be good on defense, even after they lose everybody pretty much. Every year, it seems like guys are walking out, well, guys are walking out, and yet they keep 
bringing in talent, just like Jadavion Clowney to replace it, and they're just as good. Playing different styles, different schemes type a little bit. They just mix it up a little bit, but always finding a way to get the job done. And, you know, that's what you expect from Seattle. Like I said, really for me on this on this game, the disappointment is the Arizona Cardinals. I do think that they're a little bit better, and I think they can be a little bit better. Moving right along to the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Chicago for an NFC North divisional matchup. And the Chicago Bears really getting the job done, coming away with the win, 16-6. You know, we know that the Minnesota Vikings are a good team, but, you know, the Chicago Bears, they just dominated, even with Chase Daniels. In fact, now people are making the argument that Chase Daniels gives the Bears a better opportunity to win games. Uh, quite frankly, I agree. You know, I would go with the veteran. Mitch Trubisky hasn't been great, and he's really shown inaccuracy, and he needs to learn the game a little better, making bad reads, stuff like that. So let the veteran play. 22 completions on 30 attempts. That's efficient. 195 yards. That's good. One touchdown. And then ride, ride your run game. Look at this. David Montgomery, 21 carries for 53 yards. Yeah, only a 2.5 yards per carry average. I get it. Not great. But... That's not going to happen every week. He's going to improve. David Montgomery is a stud. Let him get his 20 carries every week. Let let the quarterbacks manage the game. Don't let them throw every single down, and they'll be fine. The Bears are a really good team. They're sitting at 3-0-1. They're you know, competing with Green Bay for the top of this division, and quite frankly, this division really could put three into the playoffs. I really wouldn't be surprised if you had Green Bay, Minnesota, and Chicago. But, quite frankly, as long as Chicago keeps playing this way, and if they keep beating Minnesota, <laughs> then Minnesota's not going to get in. Um, Minnesota, they still got to travel home and play them at home. They're going to have to win that game. But I'm less and less impressed with Minnesota every time I watch them play. They dominated, absolutely dominated, my Atlanta Falcons in Week 1. Now, that's not surprising now because the Atlanta Falcons look terrible. But I feel like their only other win is against the Oakland Raiders, two very bad teams that they won against. And then they lost to two divisional opponents, losing to Green Bay and Chicago already. That's tough, you know, and both of those games are on the road, but that's tough. And quite frankly, playing the top, the top talent, the better teams, I don't know if Minnesota is that good. Quite frankly, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say Minnesota. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is that good. Kirk Cousins is just not that great. What was his stat line? His stat line was 27 of 36 for 233 yards. Yeah, that actually sounds okay, but he missed a throw to Adam Thielen wide open. Why, why, why did he miss that throw? And Stefan Diggs, seven receptions for 108 yards. Before this game, he has not had a game with more than three targets. So, like, he's not being capable of spreading the ball around. He, he's been going Thielen heavy. Now he's going digs heavy, and like his stat line for a fantasy perspective sounds great, but he's not getting the job done on the field. Like when you watch him play, he's not making the right reads, he's not making the right plays, he's not throwing the ball well enough. He's not. He's just not putting the team on his back. And you got an eighty million dollar contract guarantee. Like you got to play. You can't. You can't for no jokes. No no playing around. Like like you're here to play. You were here to take the Minnesota Vikings to that next step. They were already good with Case Keenum. They signed you to a ton of money, gave you, you it fully guaranteed. Kirk Cousins got to be better. Better, it's got to be. Um, 
But moving right along to the Jacksonville Jaguars, edging out the Denver Broncos 26-24. And this AFC matchup is definitely was an impressive one. Uh, Minshew Mania is, is, has arrived and is, is strong. You know, I've definitely been impressed with Minshew's play. Uh, definitely not the most efficient this past weekend. 19 completions on 33 attempts, but still, 213 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's good. Not turning the ball over. That's what you want. Um, and his ability to scramble in the pocket and extend plays is impressive. But what was really impressive of this game for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which gave them the edge, let them edge it out, and what we really have all been waiting to see. Leonard Fournette, 29 carries, 225 yards, 7.8 yards per carry average. What is up, Leonard Fournette? Where have you been? Nice to see you again. As an owner of Leonard Fournette, I'm definitely ecstatic about it. But the Jacksonville Jaguars in general, bro, this is how they have to win games. Leonard Fournette, 29 carries. Just feed him the rock. Feed him the rock. Feed him the rock. Your wide receiver core is not that great. Westbrook, Chark, Cole, eh, they're all okay. Con whatever. They're all okay. Don't get me wrong. They're not bad, but they're just okay. Feed your running backs. Leonard Fournette, 29 carries, 225 yards, 7.8 yards per carry average. Raquel Armstead, only 8 carries, but 42 yards with a 5.2 yard, yard per carry average. Then, Rockwell Elmstead, one reception for seven yards and a touchdown. He's the one who made the play in the end zone where Minshew was scrambling around, extends the play, finds Rockwell Armstead in the back of the end zone. Great play. Um, this is the type of exciting play that we're getting with Minshew, and I, I personally love it. Personally, can't get enough of it. Jacksonville Jaguars, I think they're a better team with Minshew in overfolds. I think going forward, Minshew's going to get better each and every single week. So, Definitely buying the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I know some people might say I'm crazy, too high on them. I don't think so. Loving, loving, loving the Jacksonville Jaguars. But on the other side of the ball, Denver Broncos, they've been terrible. Um, they really just have been. They bring in Joe Flacco, veteran. Yeah, 303 for three touchdowns, one interception. Not bad. Not bad. But just, just not playing – good enough to win games, not to mention their defense, not really playing defense the way you expect them to do. They're, they're supposed to be one of the better units in the NFL, and they're just not cutting it. So the Denver Broncos sitting at 0-4, no surprise here, um, quite frankly, because I don't think they're that great. But a little, I guess a little bit surprising because they do have talent. Uh, like I said, I don't, I'm not a crazy fan of the team, but they do have talent, so... It does confuse me just a little bit, but Jacksonville with Minshew riding Leonard Fournette like they're supposed to ride Leonard Fournette, that's a recipe for success for them. That's why I wasn't too surprised with the outcome of this game. Moving right along to the second last game of the week, Sunday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys traveling to the New Orleans Saints. And quite frankly, we're not going to spend too much time on this game because this game is a wash. Dallas loses 10-12. to And realistically, the only thing I could take from this game was it was an oddball of a game. Not much scoring for these two teams. A little out of character for these two teams. Like I said, that's why we're not reading into it too much. But the one thing that I will take from this is it was a competitive game. And that's what I expected. I expected Dallas and, and New Orleans to be in a tight game down the stretch. 
yes, there wasn't a lot of scoring, but sometimes that's football. I don't think that's an indication that these two teams can't score or that they're like, you know, nothing against the teams. I just think that's what happened in this game. Two evenly matched teams. It was tough to score the football on this day. And I was just imp- I was happy with both teams. There was things that I was displeased with with both teams. But at the end of the day, both teams are exactly what I expect them to be. These two teams are two of my personal favorites to compete for a champion to represent the NFC in the, in the Super Bowl. I really do. I believe they're going to both either be in the NFC championship game or at least the uh, – the divisional playoff round and having a real shot, a real shot at making that uh, championship game and a real shot at making the Super Bowl, quite frankly, because I think both of these teams are great. They got talent on the defense side of the ball. They got talent on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think there was really a loser in this game. I really think both teams played very well. Quite frankly, in the next game, the last game of the week, in the Monday night game, Pittsburgh Steelers 27 the Cincinnati Bengals, three. Again, not much to digest here. It was a very nice sight to see for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm I'm not buying it because it was only against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think, uh, quite frankly, if you have James Conner, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, sell high. If 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 somebody right now looks at this week and is like, oh, man, the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe I can get them for cheap. And you think, like, you know, what he thinks is cheap, it was a pretty good deal for you. I would take it because, quite frankly, I think you got to sell as high as you possibly can for James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster because I don't think they're going to be this good each and every single week. You know, I wasn't really impressed with them up until now. They're not getting Big Ben back. I don't think Mason Rudolph is really ready, and James Conner really hasn't been impressive until this game. Now, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I really am because. I have James Conner in the league, and quite frankly, I would like to see him do very well. I'm just a fan of his. I like his play style. I like the player, but I just I'm not buying this performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, great performance this week. Don't get me wrong. It was awesome if you had James Conner in your lineup. It was awesome if you had um, Juju Smith-Schuster in your lineup. But I'm also not going to sit here and say that you know I'm buying this Pittsburgh Steelers team for the rest of the season. And that this is the, the team that you're going to get. I don't think so, quite frankly, unfortunately. Um, I just think, you know, they had a soft matchup this week. They were at home, sick of losing. And they played up for a game, you know. They they, they rise up, as the Atlanta Falcons would like to say. So the Pittsburgh Steelers really stepped it up, but not buying them for a season long. The Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, <clears throat> come on. Uh, they lose John Ross. But does it really matter? Like, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're not a good team. Never expected them to be a good team. It's time to move on from Andy Dalton. I Fine, keep Zach Taylor. Keep him. But it's time to move on from Andy Dalton. It is. It's just time for him to go. Um, I get it. He's been safe, reliable. But is that really what you're looking for? Like, they're 0-4. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're comfortable with him because he can learn an offense. He could digest the playbook. Great, but can he win you games? Like that's he's not doing that. So it's time to move on, and that's really it for that game. That's really it for the week. So guys, thank you for joining us. As always, it's a pleasure. Uh, stay tuned on our social media pages, Football MD Pod, or at our website, FootballMDPodcast.com, for articles, posts, everything you guys need to know. Uh, 
you know, thank you again for joining us. And until next time.